Hi, how are you? What are you doing right now? Are you relaxing, just chilling, listening to my podcast? Maybe you're on a walk or you're in your car driving. Are you cleaning the house? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm sitting here recording to you, thinking about you. I've got my coffee here. I feel pretty good. Whatever it is you're doing, I just want to connect and say hello and thank you for listening today. Welcome to Age Free Woman. Don't let age be your cage or anything else for that matter. What does age free woman mean? It means that we make decisions, women in mid to later years, based on our capabilities, our goals, our desires, but not age. Age can be your cage at any stage. It doesn't matter where you are in life, how old you are. Age can be your cage. We start using age as a measuring tool very young, very young. It doesn't start happening in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It starts much younger. We know that exposure to ageist beliefs begin as young as toddlers. And you see this in cartoons, etc. And by the time we reach adulthood, we carry these ageist beliefs around with us like a second skin. In today's show, I'm going to share examples from my own life in hopes that it can spark some memories in yours. Perhaps in your 20s or your teens, when you experienced yourself as being too old to do A, B, or C. Things we may laugh at now, but were very real to us at the time. Just as some people's ageist beliefs in their later years are very real to them now. Just because everyone believes it does not make it true. When we buy into society's perception, or maybe I should be saying misperception of age, it could cost us our hopes and our dreams. At the very least, it may lower our quality of life. My wish is by sharing part of my story here today, you will have a greater sense of clarity about not allowing age to interfere with your ability to enjoy a meaningful life. Ageism and the fear it can create can hit at any time. You know, for most, when we think of ageism, images of people in mid to later years come to mind, right? However, the effects of ageism can start much younger, especially for females. Of course, women in mid to later years are more heavily targeted, but the priming for ageist beliefs starts very young, in childhood, as young as toddlers. To hear more about ageism in film and media, check out episode two, Cougars, MILFs, and Hillary Clinton. As a mental health professional and psychotherapist, I've heard clients repeat things like, I'm too old to go back to school, age 23, or I should know what to do by now, age 21, and I can't change careers at my age, age 25. All my friends have boyfriends, and if I don't have a boyfriend by now, I'll never have a boyfriend, age 15. The reality is, Regardless how old you are, your beliefs about age shape who you are, and it has real-life consequences. 
And in the examples that I just shared, they're not one-offs. These are pretty common beliefs that our young people have. What kind of effect do you think this could have on them? Does have on them? Well, I can tell you, feelings of hopelessness, feelings of something being wrong with who they are, and so on and so on, which can only lead to other negative beliefs about oneself, which then carries the potential for future damage if not addressed. What kind of negative age-related beliefs did you carry with you when you were young? And how did they impact your life or did they impact your life? I mean, for me, yes, I've, I'm gonna share my story with you, so you'll hear that. But for you, too, to reflect on your own experience to better understand the, you know, the priming, the how ageism gets into our psyche. And by the time we get older, it feels as though this is part of us. And we don't question age stereotypes. We don't even realize perhaps that what we're believing is an age stereotype. When we say things like, oh, I've had a senior moment, so to speak. And it feels like these are just a reflection of what aging is. It feels natural in some ways, but it's not natural. It's due to the priming, the conditioning that we've experienced from a very young age. All right, are we ready? Here is my story. In my tweens, not my teens, I'm talking tweens, okay? I dreamed of the day I would turn sweet 16. Growing up, age 16 was a big deal. We were four siblings, all girls roughly two years apart. We often shared our theories around what we imagined age 16 would look like. However, all of us agreed on one thing, that 16 was a year of magic, a rite of passage, so to speak, a year when one is transformed into a beautiful woman, becoming a real teenager. You know, you're not 14, you're not 15, you're not 13. You are 16. You are a real teenager. Our theory was confirmed when my older sister turned 16. A once awkward and gangly tween, suddenly as if overnight she became confident and drop-dead gorgeous. Just like in the movies, you know? She became popular at school and boys and men alike looked at her differently than they would at me or my younger siblings. I was counting the days until my transformation. Not unlike today, back then at age 14, I was of the mind that beauty was the only thing that mattered. If I were beautiful, then my life would be wonderful. And that was it, nothing else. I was going through puberty. I had a lot of emotions. I, I didn't always believe I was beautiful or attractive. I wasn't looking inside for answers. Of course, I was externalizing everything. Developmentally speaking, that's what you do at that age. I'm sure many teens felt that way, and they're tweens, you know, that really awkward stage in life. <clears throat> but I didn't know that was normal. Nobody talked about that in school. My parents didn't talk about it. If you said, I don't feel attractive, they say, what are you talking about? You're beautiful, blah, 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 right? <laughs> anyway, 
Whenever I experience difficult tween emotions or problems, I would close my eyes. I would go to that happy place in my mind, imagining all the goodness that will behold me once I'm 16. I had this belief that my troubles would vanish and everyone would love me. However, my lack of years and maturity prevented me from understanding that transformation had to happen on the inside first. With Mother's Day right around the corner, let Anna Louisa help make your Mother's Day gift as special as she is to you. Anna Louisa, that's Anna, A-N-A, and then Louisa, L-U-I-S-A, offers a gorgeous selection of quality jewelry pieces sure to make any mother's eyes sparkle like diamonds, making their friends green with envy, or should I say, emerald green. <laughs> Anna Louisa's collections have classic clean lines, a splash of uniqueness, and just the right amount of glitter, adding a hint of chic to any outfit. Be it a night out at the opera or a jeans and t-shirt kind of day. Anna Louisa has you covered. One of many favorites I have is the personalized letter necklace. It's so adorable. It's 14 karat gold on sterling silver. Another piece that I love is 14 karat gold baby hoop earrings with a drop freshwater pearl. So sweet. Anna Louisa provides quality pieces for all budgets with prices as low as 39 Canadian. You can't beat that for quality jewelry. So... Get 20% off or more of Anna Luisa jewelry today. That's Anna Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, because Anna Luisa jewelry is a conscientious company serving conscientious women. Look and feel your best with affordable quality jewelry pieces. All selections are carbon footprint free from the product to the packaging. So use the age-free link below to receive 20% off or more. Nothing says, I appreciate you like Anna Luisa. Making your mom smile is just a click away. Now back to the show. Anyway, growing up, my sisters and I would watch reruns of teenage movies from my mother's era, like Gidget and Beach Blanket Bingo. <laughs> Our eyes would be glued to the television, witnessing how these heroines could make the most intelligent man appear senseless and the strongest of men weak at the knees. Yes, they were all beautiful. However, there was another common theme that these heroines shared, their character. The heroine was kind, well-mannered. She loved children and animals. She cared about the world's less fortunate. She had tremendous patience and always put other people's needs ahead of her own. She rarely got angry, and when she did, it was always somehow cute and endearing. She didn't always start out this way, but that indeed was the case by the end of the story when she gets together with the leading man. Think of Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, Wild Kate. Kate was far ahead of her time. She readily spoke her mind. She was intelligent radically independent. She was a fighter. She was feisty. She lived by her own rules. She was more than capable of taking care of herself. However, the person who wanted her, her so-called love interest whom she detested at first sight, pursued her anyway. 
in addition to his psychological gaslighting. Remember, when it's day, I will tell her it's night. When it's the sun, I will tell her it's the moon. Probably not the exact words, but you get it. And made attempt after attempt after attempt and worn her down until she broke, until she loved him and assimilated against her own nature and moral code. Or how about another heroine? Molly Ringwald's role in The Breakfast Club, a straight-A student with sophisticated taste and culture. But by the end of the movie, she was dating a guy who could hardly string a sentence together or even finish high school, for that matter. I am aware that I am only talking about Caucasian females. Unfortunately, at that time, this was the primary female representation on the big screen. There has been progress in this area, but I'm also aware that not nearly enough progress has been made. I wholeheartedly support diversity on the big screen or any other medium. So for all my non-Caucasian listeners, please know that I stand with you. In both of these situations, the underlying message is a female has to adapt to the needs of her suitor, whoever is pursuing her. Her needs subsequently are just out the window. And if she does this, if she adapts to her suitor's needs, then she will be happy and society will love her. This type of scenario continues to play out on the big screen. These are the messages that we're sending to our young people today. We are telling our young women and girls that we need to adapt to a male's needs. And we're telling our young boys and men, women need to adapt to their needs. Either way, it is a setup, a setup that is much more dire for women. This story may have a happy ending on the big screen, but in real life, it's a recipe for disaster. This information may sound like we're going off topic, but it's not because it fits into the greater picture of the message I'm relaying here. Now back to the story. I remember one hot summer day, my gosh, my mother had taken us on a picnic at Thompson Park, not too far from where we lived at the time in Scarborough, Ontario. We found an excellent spot for ourselves. There was no one to be seen in the north, south, east, or west. My younger sisters and I were running around laughing, playing tag, and keeping cool in our swimsuits. My oldest sister, now sweet 16, wearing her brand new striped bikini. She actually had a striped bikini. Oh, we loved that bikini. Anyway, it it got handed down. Oops, maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, My mother was very good at doing laundry. Anyway, Sweet 16, wearing her brand new striped bikini, she was standing barefoot in the grass. She was taking in the beauty of the surroundings. And suddenly, out of the distance, we spotted something moving quickly, heading in our direction. As the figure grew more prominent, we saw it was a young guy riding his bicycle. We stopped what we were doing because the cyclist appeared as if he were under a spell or in a trance, unable to take his eyes off my sister. His bike continued to pass us. He passed by us, but his eyes and his head were not following suit. He was kind of rubbernecking it. He just couldn't stop staring at her. And then suddenly, boom, he smashed 
into this huge tree, shaken but not seriously hurt, red-faced, you know, looking kind of sheepish. He picked himself up and without uttering a word, he jumped back on his bike and he got himself out of there in lightning speed. Even my mother was in stitches. We could not stop laughing. But something else happened that day. Sweet 16 became that much more real. I was 14. I had two more years until I was 16. But witnessing this event, I was blown away. This was too close to home. This happened to my sister, not on TV, not in my imagination. I didn't read it in a book. I saw it firsthand. No amount of theorizing with my sisters as to what age 16 would bring. All the books, all the movies that I watched, the songs that sang about Sweet 16, none of it could have prepared me for what I saw that day. I had never known such power. Was this what I was in for? Wow. And that's our show for today. You'll hear the second half of this story next week, so stay tuned. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give it a rating or a like wherever you are listening to this today. It helps other people find my show and share the wealth. And until we meet again, don't let age be your cage. You are a shining star.